Well, good morning. I hope you have uh, found a place to worship this morning. And I'm a little prejudiced in this area and say if you haven't, you weren't looking real hard. Uh, because I believe we've got a place that you can worship. Amen? Um, let you all working on that ring? Trying, good. We've been in a series called Faith, Nothing is Impossible. And we're going to continue that this week. Uh, and I just want to recap real, real fast. The first week we looked at uncovering faith and just seeing what faith is. Uh, then in our second week, we looked at hindrances to our faith. Does anybody remember the hindrances to our faith? Doubt, fear, disbelief. And doubt and disbelief are different things, right? So, we, so the hindrances to our faith was doubt, fear, and disbelief. And then we looked at operating in the God kind of faith. Romans says that it is given to every man the measure of faith. That means everybody has the same amount of faith. God gave to everybody the same amount. What we have to do is learn to operate in the God kind of faith. He wants us to operate in faith the way he operated in faith. And how did he do that? Well, we looked at that last week. We saw that you have to speak your faith. You have to declare a word. Nothing was ever created in the universe that God created that he didn't open his mouth and create. The word says, and he said, let there be, and he said, let there be, and he said, let there be. And what the cool thing about what he said, what was the next part of the verse? And it was. And he said, this is how you and I are to operate. We operate by speaking our faith, by declaring. You know, a lot of people say, well, and I said this last week and I'll say it again. You say, well, that sounds a whole lot like name it and claim it. Well, God's a name it and claim it God. He said and it was. He said and it was. And he said and it was. Now, that makes people nervous because we've seen that misused. Amen. But it doesn't change the fact that it's the reality of how God wants us to operate. And so today, I want to start a, a new part of this. Um, I'm, I think I can get it done today. But today I want to look at faith that works. Faith that works. How does faith work in you and I? And how, what are we going to do to ensure that not only what we speak, but what we're believing comes to pass. Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Now, now don't get me wrong. We're not saying that we're working for our salvation. That's free. We're not saying we're working to get God we're going to look at the works here. But one translation says that faith without corresponding action is dead. See, there has to be actions just like, you know, we can believe that tithing works, right? The Word says, bring your tithes into the storehouse and see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you can't contain it. And then some people say, well, that tithing is the old law. Tithing predates the law. It predates the law. It has, really has nothing to do with the law. But he said if we bring, but what is the action that goes along with that? Bring your tithes. 
See, if that action doesn't happen, we won't enjoy the benefit. Bring your time. It's Malachi chapter 3 is what, what I'm quoting here. Uh, it is chapter 3, isn't it? Okay. He says, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. So the action is I have to bring. I have to do something. So James is saying here, faith by itself, is, it's, it's, it's here. But if it has no works, your faith is dead. So what are the works that makes our faith go? Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Just so you know, we're not trying to work for our salvation here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So nothing you did saved yourself. It was all Him. But what was the action that took place to make that a reality? It was me believing that what Christ did, it brought salvation alive in my spirit. Was it always there? Yes, it was always there. But it wasn't activated on until I put an action to my faith. He said, so for we know that by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now back to James chapter 2. So then faith. By itself, if it has no works, is dead. Our faith, the faith we've been talking about over the last four weeks, has to have works. Wow. If I can't work for salvation, why do I have to work for anything else? I'm telling you, he made work so easy. It should be natural to the believer. I want to read this same verse out of the NIV. NIV puts it this way. It says, in the same way, faith by itself... Faith by itself, if it has not, if it is not, sorry, accompanied by action, is dead. So we can have all this faith, but if we have no action, then it just lies dormant. Well, one of the actions we saw last week is your mouth. One action, but not the only action is your mouth. It's the words you speak. If you don't put action to that, you're just believing. God didn't stand on the edge of nothing and think a universe into existence. He spoke it. See, he had action to what he believed. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 3, and it's not going to be on your screen. Uh, it, it says, for by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the what? Word of God. So how was the worlds framed? By word that came out of God's mouth. The Holy Spirit was here when, when the earth was without form and void. It says that the, that the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, but yet nothing began to create until there was a word. An action to faith. So one action to our faith is most assuredly words. It's speaking. That's a works. It's something that you did. And, and remember, he's talking about everyone is given the measure of faith. So let's jump to the great faith chapter that everybody thinks one person put this in the Bible. He didn't. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 from the Geneva Bible. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. 
He says, and Jesus answered and said to them, have the faith of God. Now we know the King James Version says, have faith in God. We saw as we looked, all the older translations didn't translate it that way. Mm, there's so much I want to say right there. Uh, but I won't. <laughs> because Dee told me I couldn't. No, she didn't. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have the faith of God. For truly I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, Be taken away and cast into the sea, and shall not, dot, shall not waver. That's what happens when you quote one, one translation for so long. You can read it and still quote it in the other translation. And shall not waver in his heart, but shall believe that the things he says shall happen. You see, here's an action to faith. Here's a work to faith. But shall believe that those things which he says, what if he just believes? That mountain's going to stand right there. I'm believing God. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. But he told us to do something. He said, open your mouth and shall not waver, but shall believe in his heart. Those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. All right, let's go back to this translation. And believe that those things which he says shall happen, whatever he says shall be done to you. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you shall have it, and it shall be done to you. Now here is where most of us stop. We're all excited. We're pumped. I'm going to speak to my mouth. I'm going to do everything. But that's not the only work he gives in this set of scriptures. Now remember, what's James say? Faith without works is dead. He gives us more than one work in this set of scriptures. Yes, it's speaking. It's saying what you, making that declaration. But look at verse 25, and this is where everybody wants to leave it out. But when you stand, but, you, but when you shall stand and pray, forgive. That's a work. Some of you need to know you need to work on it. Some of us all need to work on that from time to time, right? But he says there, he says, and when you shall stand to pray, forgive. Folks, without a corresponding action, faith is dead. And this is one of the hardest things you and I will ever face because there are people we would rather just grab by the throat or am I the only one? But see, a corresponding action to me speaking, to me saying to my mountain, to me believing this mountain removed, is I have to forgive. A lot of folks aren't seeing their prayers answered. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right thing. They're believing the right things. But they struggle in the area of forgiveness. And if we struggle in this area, it will block this is a work of faith. And these are written in red. These are Jesus' words. He said, but when you shall stand and pray, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Anyone. Amen, buddy. I love it. This is hard. I'm giving you... This has all been pretty nice 
fluff teaching. Today is where the rubber meets the road. This is the tough stuff. And when you pr stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. That your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, Jesus is tough here. For if you will not forgive, your Father who is in heaven will not pardon you your trespasses. So what are we talking about? We're talking about faith without works is dead. Faith without forgiveness is dead. Faith without speaking and declaring is dead. But he says faith without forgiveness. Well, I can't forgive. Everyone can. How do you know? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And if you have been forgiven, you can forgive. Anybody in here ever been forgiven? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it is in us to forgive. And to not forgive is to work against the very nature that God put in us. He breathed into man and said, let, us, let him be like us. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. The message translation says, let us make him in our image, looking like us, acting like us, reflecting, the message says, reflecting our nature. The nature of God is forgiveness. I don't care what you've been told about God. His nature what does the word forgiveness mean? Let's look at this definition. Forgiveness means to pardon, to remit as an offense or a debt, to overlook an offense. Now, let's hold up right there. Back that up. To pardon. You know what happens when you're pardoned, right? That means when you're on death row, and they pardon you, that means that the doors are open and you get to walk out like nothing ever happened to you. So what God expects out of me, when you stand praying, forgive, He expects me to open the prison that I've put someone in and allow them to walk out and I will treat them as though they have never offended against me before. Oh, now that we're talking tough. We, this is hard. It's easy to eat the, it's easy to eat the fluff. <laughs> this, this definition gets worse, so I just wanted you to take a little bit of chunks. To pardon, to remit as an offense or a debt, it means to overlook. <coughs> Excuse me. You ready for the next part? To treat... The offender as not guilty. Just keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> to treat the offender as not guilty? Now look. Bob may stab me in the back several times. 
eventually, if I'm going to walk like God said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to treat him like he didn't. But what if he does it again? Well, what was that little thing you just, you just quoted? Seven times, you know, that's operating in a day's life. Man alive, this is tough. Forgive. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. You will treat the offender as not you. Now listen, you may never let them in as close as you did before. Okay? But it won't make you sick at your stomach to see them anymore either. Somebody's got somebody like that, huh? Where it just hurts. Every time I look at him, it hurts. Everything hurts. If we're going to operate in the faith that works, Jesus said not only are you going to speak to your mountain, but when you stand praying, you're going to forgive. You're going to treat the offender. And I'm telling you, we've got believers who are believing stuff, who are speaking to their mountain, and they keep coming around time after time after time, and they keep saying, why is it not working for me? Maybe there's something inside that you've yet to deal with. Come with me. Maybe there's that little briar under your saddle mm. that every time Jesus tries to take the throne it pricks and it hurts and you buck and you kick there's forgiveness maybe it's time we let them go because you're not holding them back you're holding yourself back I can hold on to a grudge forever I can be good at it if I want to you know? But there has to come a time where I do what Jesus says to do. And I forgive. Now again, I may not let them close enough to stab me again. But when I totally forgive them, I'm going to treat them like nothing ever happened. I'm going to look at Bob as if he never hurt me. He never stuck that knife in my back for the fifth time. And every time I let him close... But I'm going to look at him and say, you know what? I'm going to pray blessing on you, I hope. And you are truly glad when you see that person blessed. You know you're walking in forgiveness. When you see God pour so much out on them, you're going, yes, God, give it to them. Yeah. Not, yes, God, give it to them. <laughs> Same words as all the how you pray it. This is what will block our faith. This is what will hold our faith. And they've exercised faith, and they've exercised faith, and they've said all the right words, but there's this little grudge, these little ill feelings. Folks, I'm here to tell you, you cannot afford to live in a grudge. You can't afford it. Why? Because your faith depends on it. But they offended me badly. I know. And I still remember the words from Jesus on the cross. Father, treat them as not guilty. 
Because they're just poor old folks that don't know what they're doing. If I can go West Virginia on you there. He from the cross. They have beaten him. They slapped him. They plucked his beard. They whipped him. They nailed him to a cross. And he still said, treat them as not guilty. Give blessing of salvation to all of them. Lord our God. For our faith to work, we have to add forgiveness to it. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I'm reading out the Passion Translation just because I love the wording of this. Never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth. Now you should look down. Don't even look forward. Everybody. Look at that. This is a command. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, okay, so I have to replace something. Here's a work. I've got this, and I have to replace it. That's a work. What am I replacing it with? But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Bob, I tell you, 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 you've hurt me so many times. You've stuck at my back five, six times now. But I tell you what, I believe God's got a plan for your life. I believe God wants to bless you. Now listen, me and Bob are good. Don't, don't. <laughs> They're going, somebody's going, what's up with him and Bob? <laughs> We're good. But you see, when I'm walking in this kind of forgiveness, I'm standing here and I'm praying blessing on him. And I'm not doing it to heap coals of fire on his head because that happens too. I am doing it because I truly want to see him blessed. But how many times did he hurt me? That doesn't matter. Because my God said if my faith wants to work, me doing this has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with him. This is about me and God. He said, let your words be beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Verse 30. Back that back up to verse 29. Before I read verse 30, I'm reading now the Passion Translation, but I'll, I'll give you the King James Version because Pentecostals, Charismatics, Charismaniacs, whatever you want to call us, We love this next verse where it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, if you don't let me pray in tongues, fall out and flop around and throw my clothes everywhere and cover me up with five blankets, then you're grieving the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, this verse, that verse has nothing at all to do with the move of the Holy Spirit in your life or in your church. Now, I know we don't like that because we've got an idea of what grieves the Holy Spirit because we've never put these verses together. Never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth, but, let, but rather let them be beautiful gifts that encourage. Now, verse 30. Verse 30. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Verse 29 goes with verse 30. Ugly words, hateful words. Well, I just don't, I haven't felt the presence of God in so long because you're so hateful. <laughs> I grieve the Holy Spirit when I decide that I am going to run my mouth against Bob for stabbing me five times in the back and I'm going to go back here and I'm going to tell Darren about it. And then all of a sudden Darren's going, I can't believe Bob did you like that. I know, can you? No. Well, I don't like him now either. What did I do? Now I've stopped his faith. He's walking around. God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. Why is this not working for me? Ooh, can you believe Bob did Brent that way? Oh, we're so contagious. Monkeypox ain't got nothing on a bad attitude. <laughs> we're so contagious. I think the, 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 the word today is toxic. He says, and never grieve the Holy Spirit of God or take for granted His Holy, Spirit, His Holy influence in your life. Look at verse 31. All these go together. Lay aside bitter words. This is the works that bring faith. This is the works that make faith work. Lay aside bitter words. Oh. Temper tantrums. Revenge. Profanity. And insults. Verse 32. Instead, now what's he doing? He's showing us how to work this faith here. But instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Who in here knows that God has graciously forgiven you? Amen. Then you have a work to do. Here's how you work it out. As God has graciously forgiven you, then graciously forgive one another in the depths of your love. Nope. Just like it ain't your faith. It's Christ's love. In the depth of Christ's love that God has shed abroad in your heart, you operate in the God kind of faith. You speak to your mountain and you forgive. No matter what it takes, no matter how much it hurts your pride, And people wonder why we never get to this place. Because they simply refuse forgiveness. And we wonder why is God not moving? Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Weaknesses. Did anybody find this hard yet? Listen, I had to preach to myself all week. <laughs> I found myself jumping in and out all out. I'm in faith, I'm not. I'm in faith, I'm not. <laughs> Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith 
forgiving one another the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. The same way God forgave you of all your sin is the same way you forgive others. With grace, love, beauty, and mercy. If you find fault in someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. Forgiveness is a work. And if you ain't never had to really forgive somebody, you may not understand this. But what if they're dead? Then my goodness, let it go. <laughs> if our faith is going to work, like Jesus said, remember Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God. Twenty three, whatever you say to this mountain, be removed, be a cast of sea. Shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you said. Verse twenty four. And whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 25, and if you have anything against another, when you stand praying, forgive. It all goes together. This is a work that you, me, and all of us in this room probably need to work out. If we're going to forgive, and you may have to force yourself to do this. Because everything in me doesn't want to. But here's the things we say. I'll forgive them. Is this on there? Says I may forgive them, but I'll never forget. But every time I look at them, I'll remember. That would be okay. Do you know why you have scars on your body? Anybody got a scar? I've got one right here, somewhere. I was about 15 years old, back when I was young and skinny and could jump. Our ball went over, we were playing basketball, and the ball went over the fence. I, they was like, we got to get it. I said, I can get it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like a gazelle, I leaped through the air. I cleared the chain link fence and everything in me. My toe didn't touch it, but my shoestring did. That shoestring caught, slapped me on my head, broke glass into my face because I wore glasses. Broke my glasses into my face. I'm bleeding all down my face. I go to my mom. I'm turning away from her. I said, uh, uh, get me a towel. Why? I just need a towel, mom. Just give me a towel. Why? Turn, oh. And it hurt. I've got another little tiny, perfectly round scar right there where a 16-penny nail was driven into my arm. It did everything in my hand went. Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't hurt anymore. I have a reminder that I had pain, but that pain doesn't hurt anymore. It's scarred over. See, when we walk in this kind of forgiveness, I remember all the scars that Bob, you just get it today, but I'm sorry. I remember all the scars that Bob put on me, but it don't hurt anymore, and I can pray a blessing on him, and I can walk, he can come to me and say, will you pray for me? I got this falling off, 
Idra hates me and she's going to leave me and, and all this stuff. And, 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 and I'm going. <laughs> That's not God's forgiveness. When I walk in God's forgiveness, I'm still going to join his hand and I'm still going to pray that blessing on him. I want to pray for his marriage and I want to pray for his finances. I want to pray everything. Now, now, he may not get close enough to hurt me again, but in me doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't hurt me anymore. And so that I can pray with him and I can declare over him and I can do it without bitterness in my heart. And all of a sudden, what I'm believing for starts happening. I'm telling you, it's such an easy step. The next question people say, but what if they don't ask my forgiveness? This has nothing to do with them. Remember, I believe it's Romans 8. Nope, Romans 5, verse 8. Well, let's just go there now because it's my next verse. I, didn't, I forgot. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 8. From the message. What if they don't ask my forgiveness? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. The King James Version says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't waiting on your asking forgiveness before he offered himself. Why in the world are we holding back our forgiveness? What if they never, uh, never really knew that they offended you? What if they're completely oblivious? You're walking around miserable and you know? And we look, oh, kids, if they only knew. Come on. This is about you releasing yourself. This is about you releasing your faith. To forgive means to treat the offender as not guilty. While we were of no use whatever to him. Last verse in this section, we'll move on. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Folks, this is meat. Everybody thinks meat's when we go in and we find these deep hidden things in the Word. You know what meat is? Meat is tough to chew. It's not uncovering little hidden gems that make us feel good. Pastor Dave, meat is tough to chew. And forgiveness can be a tough one to chew. Matthew chapter, uh, what I say? 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... Now, what gift is he talking about? That could be a gift of praise. That could be a gift of money. That could be a gift of your time. Well, I, you know, praise and worship goes on, and I just don't feel it anymore. I don't believe that team's anointed anyhow. Besides, Bob's over there and stuck a knife in my back. You're trying to bring a gift... You're trying to bring a sacrifice of praise to God. And he tells us here that if you bring your gift to the altar and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Don't even try to offer a tainted gift to God. Oh. He said, leave your gift and go before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. 
and then come and offer your gift. Woo! That's the first work that makes faith works. Faith that works. The second one. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For if we are in Christ, in Christ, raise your hand. All across the room, look at that. For if we are in Christ, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. The next work that we have to add to make our faith work is love. And I'm not talking about a cheap love. It's a love that's hard. It's a love that's difficult. King James Version says, faith worketh by love. The Amplified simply defines that word, what that word worketh means. It means activated and energized and expressed working in love. So if we are going to be in Christ and we're going to have our faith work, our faith has to operate in an unbelievable amount of God love. You imagine how many people would come to a church where people acted like this? Where there's no crotchety old man or woman. Come on. Man, I hate, every time I go around them, they're negative and they're hateful. Ugh. Well, no wonder. Nobody goes around you. <laughs> and then they wonder, why is my faith not working? Oh. Breathe. Man, it gets quiet on messages like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Pentecostals, we love this one too, Charismatics. We love to talk about tongues, except we never read the beginning of this chapter. Tongues means nothing if you don't read the first couple of verses. <laughs> if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, what am I doing? I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. You just make a noise. <laughs> I've arrived. I pray in tongues. I can't stand Bob. And you know what I'm doing? Clang, 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 clang. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I am a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Verse 2. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, faith without works is, and if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and I have not love, I have nothing. Oh, it is so important for you to be a person of unconditional, uncontrollable, 
goofy, silly love where you will look at someone who has failed and they're in the dirt and you'll pick them up and you'll, you'll wipe them off and you'll come back tomorrow and you'll find them there again and you pick them up and you wipe them off and you laugh with them and you talk with them and you don't care how many times they fall. You still love them. It still hurts you to see them hurt. And when I can operate from that place, then my faith can begin to move mountains. 1 John chapter 4. We're almost there. Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Well, I can't love Bob. <laughs> then can I say I know God? Now, I'm not saying, am I saying I'm lost, doomed, going to hell in a handbasket? No. But that, that means I don't know God. To know means to have a personal knowledge of, an intimate knowledge of. Ooh. Beloved, let us love one another. For he that loves, is, for he that is born of God loves. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. I didn't say it, he did. He that does not love does not know God. Well, how do I know you don't know God? Because God is love. But I can't love them. Then you don't know the God you're trying to believe for a miracle from. He who does not love does not know God. For God is, God doesn't try to love people. He is love. Jump down to verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He said that. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him. This is a commandment. I live my life by the commandments of God. Glad you said that. That he who loves God must. Everybody say must also love his brother. This is what makes our faith work. This is what makes our faith operate. These are works. Faith without works. Corresponding action to faith. What are corresponding action? Speak it. Forgiveness. Love. Then faith begins to work. So, how do I do that? 
leave you with just a couple set of scriptures here. Yeah, let's go to that one. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. I'm going to go over here and act like I love Bob when really I want to see him fail. That's hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, isn't it funny how we use these scriptures about sin? We've, we've heard messages preached about them. Sin, 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 sin. He's not talking about that at all. He's talking about a believer. You know the book of Romans was written to believers, right? Not to non-believers. To people who've accepted this. And here's what he says to them. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another in brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Anybody here ever hear of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith evidently was a pretty nasty fella before he gave his life to God. His, he told his wife one time, if you go to church, you'll not get back in this house. She goes to church, he barricades the door. She comes home, can't get in. She sleeps that night on the porch. The next morning, Smith comes down, he opens the door and she boom. What does she do? She gets up and starts making him his favorite breakfast. And he said that day, he saw the love of God in action for what it really was. That's love without hypocrisy. <laughs> Be kindly affectionate, giving preference one to another. Jump to verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. These are works. These are works. Verse 15. Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Whose responsibility in, then is it? Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read these quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God, dear children, and walk in love. I just want to be like God. Okay, be a person of love. Be imitators of God, dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. Let's end with the greatest love verse in the Bible. It's the one that everybody knows. It's the one that everybody sees on signs at ball games. Go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we all stop right there. But you really want to see God's heart? Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God's purpose is never condemnation. The whole purpose of Jesus was not to condemn the world, but that through him, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. So in this love, there's no condemnation. This is God's kind of love. Operating in this kind of forgiveness, operating in this kind of love, starts to cause us to operate in the God kind of faith. And so as we all take a moment just to examine ourselves, where is it that you need to let? Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Some of you might need to learn to love yourself. As we search ourselves, say, God, I want my faith to work, and I will work these works to make it happen. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to do it for myself. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Thank you even when you correct me. Thank you when you straighten me out. Thank you when you line me up. <laughs> and Father, I thank you that you love me so much that you gave me the opportunity for my faith to work. And so today, Father, we ask forgiveness where we have not shown it. We ask forgiveness for when we didn't walk in love. We ask your forgiveness and we declare that from today on, I will be a person for whom faith works. Because I'll be a crazy, crazy lover. I'll be a crazy, crazy forgiver. And people won't understand why I love the way I love and people won't understand the why I forgive the way I forgive, but I do it for our relationship, me and you, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.